0: You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us back here on NapaBroadcasting.com. Too often we're fooled or don't see the link between an action and the consequences of that action. Often the root causes of something come many years before. We look at events like Parkland and don't see the decisions that we made as far back as the 80s with respect to the closing of mental facilities and institutions reverberate today. It's a little like the story of the butterfly flapping its wings in Africa and the impacts being felt in Boston. The events at the Veterans Home last week are similar. Decisions, policies, and yes, even lies, made at the highest levels in Washington almost two decades ago, led directly to what happened last week. Seventeen years of endless warfare and the toll on the men and women who've served have come home to roost. There's nobody I'd rather talk to more about this than our guest today, Bill Chadwick. Bill is a veteran himself, and his care and concern and commitment to veterans' issues has been unceasing. It is my pleasure to welcome Bill Chadwick back to Napa Broadcasting. Bill, thanks so much for coming in.
1: Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity to come out.
0: As I mentioned to you earlier, I was uh, out of town for the past several days. Talk a little bit about when you first became aware of what was going on out at the veterans' home on Friday and a little bit about your initial reaction to it. I got a... um
1: As most folks in town, I get the Nixle uh, alerts. And I knew that something had happened uh, because a friend called me and said, Bill, there's something going on at the veterans home and they're talking about Building G. Well, Building G is Madison Hall. That's where pathway home has resided for the last 10 years. So I knew pretty quickly uh, at 11 o'clock and started to make phone calls trying to contact the folks uh, at the pathway. Mm My initial reaction was, I wasn't sure what had happened, but I I suspected it. I was afraid that it might include uh, not only the staff, but also one of the clients.
0: Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the clients. You know, there's been a lot said, a lot written about Pathway House, and in fact, it was partly uh, involved in a movie. Thank you for your service uh, not too long ago. But for those listeners that don't know, talk a little bit about what the mission of Pathway House is.
1: Uh, Pathway Home was originally designed to be a residential care facility for post-traumatic stress disorder uh, young men. It was a, a, a male-only program. Um, most often, they also had uh, experienced traumatic brain injury. Um, the original concept, uh, as as we saw uh, up there at the home, was that the, these young men would live two to a room. They would not be singletons in room. They would share experiences with each other and also uh, conduct group therapy. Uh, There were lots of innovative, creative ways of helping these young men too. And I I will credit uh, Fred Gussman with, uh, he led a lot of different uh, experiences for the, uh, or or encouraged a lot of different experiences. He was the creator of the program. That's right. He was the the, uh, original executive director of the program. But they brought, acupuncture to the program, chiropractic, um, lots of healing um, that's, that's most often associated with California, you know, our style of how do you help people get better uh, and, and to self-actualize. So that was, that was the beginning.
0: That was the beginning of the program. Why has it been so much more difficult, seemingly so different in some ways, for veterans that are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan versus veterans from previous wars?
1: Well, I think the primary reason has been that our economy in the United States has been uh, so deteriorated and so at risk uh, in the last 10 or 12 years, certainly, that a lot of young men and women coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan have not been able to find a stable living environment. Um, I I can tell you lots of stories about graduates uh, of pathway and other and other veterans who just would come back home uh, get out of the service go to school for a short period of time but then need to work and, and bounce to another state where one of their buddies one of their battle buddies from war uh, might have offered them a job so they might have moved three or four times the first two or three years they were back from deployments so so the population was very unstable the
0: population was unstable, and were, was the damage worse? Were, was PTSD worse? Were there, were there more things that came out of this war because of the nature of the war that contributed to this?
1: Well, I know this firsthand because, as, as I've told you in the past, uh, I, I started out in the infantry and special forces and then got into developing and building new pieces of equipment for the U.S. military. And I know firsthand that our equipment, which got better, better protection for the soldier, was... Uh, while it did not, while it, it prevented uh, significant mortality, we still had a lot of shortcomings in our equipment, and it was most often uh, represented by guys getting their brains messed up mm-hmm. uh, by fragmentation, by blast. Uh, weapon systems are much more lethal, Jeff. and. While we while our mortality rate has gone down, we've still had a lot more injuries, and most often they were brain related. Mm-hmm. They they were sensory and uh, and perception,
0: and so we've we've had a lot more injuries and damaged folks. What talk was there over the years about this kind of risk with this population at a place like the Pathway House? Um, well,
1: certainly uh, in the beginning, the program probably uh, was, it was represented this way, and I know this from talking to the director and other folks associated with it. Most of the young men that came in the first few years had, had tried other programs. They had been in other situations where they'd, they'd received help, but it hadn't worked. And oftentimes, they were coming to the pathway home as really the last resort. They were either gonna end up in prison or they might have been in trouble with law enforcement. Many of them had restraining orders, you know, divorced situations. Uh, and really, uh, I remember very distinctly uh, talking to Fred one time, there were a lot of corpsmen, a lot of medical personnel who had seen the worst of the wounds in the wars also uh, uh, in resident there at the pathway. They, they had really seen the worst of the worst of the wars.
0: How large was the population there?
1: Well, the population fluctuated. Uh, I remember at one time there were 12. Uh, it went up as high as 28. Uh, and and a lot of that had to do with the number of beds that they had in the building. Uh, I think it was probably set up. Uh, it could have probably uh, received up to 36 maybe. Mm-hmm. But, again, they were doubled up in rooms. So um, most recently the program,
0: I think, has had uh, five or six One of the things that that we heard about, particularly as it related to to Albert Wong, is that there were people that had been kicked out, and I don't exactly know what that means. You'll explain kicked out of the program or told that they couldn't participate in the program. Given the last resort nature of the program, talk about that disconnect.
1: Well, I don't think it's a disconnect as much as it is just if you can't follow the rules, uh, set down by the by the administration by the by the executive director and and her staff then you have to leave and i know fred did the same thing you know fred fred gussman had a set of rules and they were were pretty broad i mean he allowed for a lot of behavior uh... in the first in the first years of the program but if you couldn't follow the rules you you were asked to leave and i have to say uh... you know over four hundred men passed through pathway home and by and large they 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 all, well i know they all benefited uh, i know there was one suicide one recorded suicide of one one man who had been at pathway i don't know if he graduated i don't know if he left before his time was up and and keep in mind now this 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 concept of graduation was very uh, subjective right it was you know it was a partnership between the staff the the uh, the client uh, and and the peers. I mean the other clients w- had a they got to say whether uh, John was ready to leave or not. Mm-hmm. It was very much um, peer peer rated and, and also at the same time professional psychological therapists, uh, um, psychiatrists, and a, and a good solid medical staff. Mm-hmm.
0: What did they know? What did we know about Albert Wong? What did you know? I only know what I was told from
1: folks. Uh, he was he was a meticulous, fastidious, uh, alert, very attentive young man. He um, he had a troubled childhood. He grew up in foster homes, um, and and here's the irony, Jeff. This happened last Friday. Earlier in the week, I had attended. Uh, I, I have I have become uh, associated with. Brian Farragher, who runs Hannah Boy's Ranch. Mm -hmm. And I went over for a presentation last week by a pediatrician named Nadine Burke Harris. Who's done amazing
0: work on what happens to kids in the first five years. Yes,
1: who who has done incredible work with, and she made a presentation on um, adverse childhood experience. This whole survey concept, this whole rating system, this whole not focusing on what, why is your behavior so bad, but what happened to you as a child. And, and of course, you know, I, I'm married to a woman who's been involved in Health and Human Services. Uh, I used to run the Coalition of Nonprofits. I'm very familiar with the work that the that, that uh, Health and Human service agencies do. I've been hearing people talk about this and this doctor's, this pediatrician's claim was that unfortunately the medical field is very resistant to accepting the fact that looking at childhood experiences is, is critical. I think so so uh, seeing what happened to Albert Wong, I now understand. He, this young man was seriously uh, debilitated, seriously ill before he ever went in the Army. His experience in Afghanistan uh, really was, was set up years prior. I guess he's 32 years old, and uh, probably from the time he was four or five years old, he was mistreated, neglected, and,
0: um, and probably abused. Right. If anybody has an opportunity to, I think she's got a couple of books out or, or her work is out there. It's fascinating stuff.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. The Deep Well. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Why wasn't, or should this have been caught
1: by the Army? Well, you know, the, uh, I've had an opportunity to talk a lot about that with friends and colleagues and other veterans in the last four or five days. Um, you know, years ago, I remember talking to the psychologist who interviewed. Timothy McVeigh, he was attempting to go into special forces. He was leaving his unit and going to try out for special forces. We all have to go through this rigorous psychological evaluation, and Timothy McVeigh failed the psychoval to get into special forces. Now, my reaction to the psych- to the psychologist who told me this was, well, if he couldn't get into special forces, he probably shouldn't have been in the army either. Right. Unfortunately, uh, evaluating everyone for this level of uh, of psychosis or, or sickness is expensive, but I think it's a. Uh, the short answer is yes. We should have we should have known. We should be able to look at have looked at Albert, uh, but the army's not set up that way. We we accept people uh, if they've got the grades, if they've scored high enough on the ASFAB, this this battery of tests that basically uh, grades you on on. Uh, Cognitive abilities, Mm -hmm. not on your psychological well-being, unfortunately.
0: Right. I mean, the other part of it is that had he or or others, not not to just single out him, had not had the experience that he had in warfare, he might have gotten through life marginally. I would say marginally. Put put him over the edge.
1: Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. It certainly didn't help. It certainly Mm -hmm. did not help Mm -hmm.
0: How many people are we talking about? Not in terms of numbers, but just your sense of this. How many people are are in this kind of at risk situation that he was at?
1: Oh, I I, I wouldn't want to speculate. Um, I guess I would say it's probably uh, it's probably representative of the population in the United States. I mean, there, you know, there are 23 million veterans in America. Uh, about 10% of those live right here in California. Three million. Veterans served. Uh, three million service people served in Iraq and Afghanistan in the last 17 years. Um, I don't know. Make a guess. Ten percent, fifteen percent of those three million probably have some psychological um, situations or illnesses that that was probably that, that probably grew out of their experiences as children. I mean, certainly, uh, Nadine, the, the pediatrician, she says that that the numbers we don't know how many
0: children are neglected right. and and abused. And, and is there a problem with too many? And and this has been written about in in a policy sense as much as anything else. With too many deployments for a lot of these guys, there
1: certainly have been too many deployments. That's that's been borne out in the studies that the military has done. Yes, yes, we have. There are about seven thousand five hundred. Um, men and women who have served more than four deployments, and those are 15-month deployments. You know, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, The World War II veterans, while certainly our greatest generation, uh, when you look at it, we got into the war, you know, late. Uh, In some cases, didn't deploy uh, early. Um, And so maybe... You know, all told, they might have seen combat for 18 months, uh, maybe two years. In the Pacific uh, campaign, they started in about 1942, late late 42. But um, but they rotated units out. I mean, we've had we've had organizations that have come home home for eight months and then go back to war and then come back well, and go, go back, back and again. again, go back and go back and go back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it has been a very, very tough time for the u s military, and we've seen considerable drawdown too in those years we've seen con- you know we went from seven hundred and fifty eight thousand down to four hundred thousand with our peace dividend in nineteen ninety six and that's where we were at the start of the war in two
0: thousand three. What should we be focusing on as a result of what happened last friday and there's been and you and I were talking a little bit of it about it before we uh went on the air. Um, people are focused on guns, people are focused on this, on that. What should really, in your view, be the primary thing that we should either have learned from this or be looking at to learn something going forward?
1: We ought to be looking at the mental health preparation for uh, men and women entering institutions of like, like the military, oh, like teaching, uh, you know, like... Uh, entering into uh, religious organizations to to become ministers and pastors and priests you know there should there should be some mental health preparation certainly some psychological testing this this example this adverse childhood uh, experience survey it's 10 questions uh, the higher you rate the the higher your your propensity is for some sort of uh, physical and mental health problems. I mean, Oprah Winfrey talked about it on 60 Minutes Sunday mm-hmm. night. She 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 uh, her her piece uh, on 60 Minutes addressed this very this very topic. Uh, we ought to be paying attention to how we treat young uh, kids, uh, and to alert the proper authorities, the proper mental health providers, to get young people the, the support they need. To overcome whatever adversity they've experienced at home or with other people or in their communities, I mean, this is a big this is a big problem in America. Also, bullying bullying appears to be rampant in schools and in neighborhoods uh, among children. And and what what I'm finding out in my in my reading now, the more I do, uh, you know, bullies bully because they were bullied, and it goes back generationally. I want to I want to emphasize what this is not about. It's not about guns right. to, in my way of thinking. I agree. And, and I'm, I'm coming from, uh, I'm a life member of the, of the NRA. I own guns, they're registered. I love to shoot. Unfortunately, our range burned down last October, so I don't have a place to go shoot right now. I, I've always enjoyed uh, uh, going to the range and shooting. Uh, it's not about guns. This is not about people not doing their jobs. Everyone last Friday did their job. And I, and I have intimate knowledge of all the people involved from the mental health providers who were killed to the, to the case managers, to the, to the authorities that were on the scene, and everyone, everyone did a superb job of, of trying their best to save those young people's lives. All four of them, I will say. But I have to, I have to say, I, I, uh, I, think, I think we're talking about the wrong thing when we start pointing fingers and blaming mm-hmm. uh, one another.
0: What lessons shouldn't we take away from this? Where should we not go in terms of the community conversation about this?
1: Well, I'm hoping that in our community conversation that we don't automatically think the thing to do is to um, reduce the flexibility and freedom that our residents have at the home. One of the most uh, pleasant things to do uh, on a nice day, not today since it's raining, but on a nice day is to walk down the alameda, the, the that central mm-hmm. grassy area there between the residence halls, because I always get a chance to say hello to so many veterans, a lot of them in wheelchairs. Uh, but there's always a pleasant face. And, and if you and if you get one of the veterans uh, who are residents' attention and and get to talking to them, it's just a wonderful thing. I would hate to see us clamp down, uh, put in uh, metal detectors, have armed guards at all the residence halls. That, that is not the answer and I'm hoping that we don't do that. I'm also hoping that the pathway home uh, continues. I, I want to see it uh, become a program again and be vibrant. And I think it's cited correctly. I never will forget several years ago, Jeff, I happened to witness a 1st uh, Marine Division veteran from Iraq who had fought in Fallujah, I believe, uh, sitting, talking to a 1st Marine Division veteran who had come ashore at Guadalcanal during World War II. Now these men were separated by about 60 years in age, but they created a bond between them that was so endearing to see and so meaningful for both of them. I think the populations should be uh, conjoint should be uh, you know, together. On that site, it's a beautiful place, and uh, I would hate to
0: see it go away. What else are you hearing about the situation there, and about what your concerns might be? Well, uh, besides this idea of access.
1: Well, one of the one of the great things that that is happening, uh, and because of my association with the nonprofits in town, is there has been a a, a great outpouring of support, mental health wise. Um, psychologists, therapists, uh, psychiatrists, making themselves available. When I left the veterans home this morning, there was a van pulling up with, with counselors who were making themselves available to the residents. I know that the, um, they're doing the same thing. Mentis, one mm-hmm. of our local nonprofits, right. is making uh, counseling available for, for anyone. I've, been, I've spent this weekend reaching out to veterans here in the community who were involved as volunteers at the pathway. Uh, who are clients at the pathway, uh, making sure that they're connecting with with uh, <clears throat> counselors throughout the community, and uh, and you know, the community just uh, as it always does reaches out and helps those that need the need the assistance, and that's a great thing. Um, I guess one of the other things I'm hearing is that uh, there is, you know, there's a tendency not to want to talk about situations. Uh, well, I just you know I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be part of the conversation because I don't know anything. Well, I think I think that's dangerous. I think it's important for folks to ask questions and say, well, you know, what was your experience? Where were you? It's kind of like you know people always uh, will always remember where they were when President Kennedy was shot. I will always remember where I was, and 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 this is the this this is one of the things that that uh, that makes me really sad. Jeff is. On Friday morning, I was I was driving back. I go up valley and visit with uh, some men. We have a small men's group, and I was on my way back south on Highway 29, and I, okay. I thought about getting off and going up and, and going up to the pathway home about 9.30, and I didn't because we had a plumber coming to our house, and I didn't get off the highway. But I <clears throat> I will be thinking for quite some time, all my life, what would have happened if I'd got off? What if I had gone up there?
0: And finally, you you knew all of the victims.
1: I, I uh, yes, I knew, I knew Christine Loeber. Uh, she had become a friend. Uh, she, she was our colleague. Uh, the organization that I'm a member of, the uh, Order of St. John, has been, has been a benefactor for the Pathway Home since it began. And, and Christine and I have, ha, have been colleagues this past year and have become friends. My wife and she uh, have been friends. Christine's been to our house. Um, uh, Jennifer Gonzalez and Jennifer Gorlick, I knew them. Uh, had been introduced to them and knew their work, and had seen them around the community. Uh, I, I Albert Wong, I, I, I saw him once up at the pathway, and uh, but but did not know him that well. Uh, but everyone else involved in this, from from the FBI to the case manager, uh, you know, we are really a very tight knit community. We're small, you know. Napa is a small community, and everybody knows everybody else, and. Uh, For me, the the unfortunate thing is that that knowing everybody means we probably should be closer and we probably should be more aware. And in this case, uh, maybe that awareness just wasn't there.
0: Bill Chadwick, I thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.